Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hello and welcome to Brexit Unspun, the Financial Times podcast where we debunk the political spin around Brexit. I'm Shona Jenkins. A bitter row has broken out between Brussels and the British government over Europe's Galileo satellite navigation system. Despite the UK's involvement in the project since its inception and its considerable investment, the European Commission has said the UK and its companies will have to be excluded from the encrypted part of the programme once Britain leaves the EU. UK ministers say if Britain is excluded, it will develop its own system. But how realistic is this? I'm joined down the line to discuss this by Dr. Bleden Bowen, lecturer in international relations at Leicester University, who specialises in space policy. And in the studio with me is our industry editor, Peggy Hollinger. I'd like to start with you, Bleden. Tell us first why this satellite programme matters and what exactly it will do. Galileo is the European Union's answer to the American GPS system or SatNav system. So this sort of satellite constellation is essential for modern military and economic capabilities and services. So when you use SatNav on your phones or in your cars to tell you where to go, that's communicating with the American GPS satellites, which are run by the United States Air Force. And these provide a lot of location and timing services as well for the wider economy and infrastructure services as well. But they also are crucial for precision warfare capabilities. So in modern warfare now in the West, we're used to having the ability to fire one missile at the target and reliably hit it to within centimetres of accuracy on the encrypted military signals. So Europe, or the EU rather, decided about 20 years ago that it needed its own system because it didn't want to depend on the United States and especially the US military for such an essential service for European infrastructure planning, economic functions, economic planning, technological innovation to do with navigation services and devices, but also for European security capabilities as well. So any modern military and economic power needs to have access to both the civilian free signal that GPS and Galileo will provide, but also the encrypted and highly precise signals. So that's why we see the Russians and the Chinese developing or developed their own systems as well. Peggy, how much has been spent so far on Galileo and what has Britain's contribution been? Well, so far, the estimate is that Galileo will cost a total of about 10 billion by the time it's fully up and running, which will include the highly encrypted secure PRS service, which is aimed at government users. And indeed, it's a sort of military grade signal that accompanies the free service that will be available to anybody. So far, Britain, on average, has contributed about 12% of the budget, which is roughly about £1.4 billion up to today. But we've actually had a lot more work back from that, and really in part because our expertise has been very clearly 
both on the satellites, the payloads, which are made by Surrey Satellite Technology, which is a homegrown company, a pioneer in smaller satellites, but also in the cryptology that surrounds the security of this highly encrypted service, PRS. On what grounds have European officials decided to exclude British companies from parts of the project? Well, funnily enough, they're just the rules. And the minute that we decide to leave the European Union, we have, in effect, ruled ourselves out of participation in that highly secure public regulated service. Part of the rules that we ourselves agreed when the Galileo system was being negotiated and the rules of participation were being negotiated, it is that a third country, i.e. a non-EU member, cannot access the service or provide equipment for the service. You can access the service if you have a defense and security agreement. And, you know, Blathen, you know this more in detail than I do. But as we know, both the United States and Norway have been negotiating access for years and they're not quite there yet. But certainly whatever happens in terms of allowing the British military access to this highly secure service, British companies will not be allowed to make equipment under the existing rules that we ourselves agreed. Can I just add as well that in this aspect, it's important to distinguish between the PRS service or signal, which is the highly encrypted and jam resistant service that will only be available to be used by approved security users by the European Union. But Britain will still have access to the free or commercial signal that is less accurate, but free for all users across the world to be passive receivers of the signal and to buy equipment that can communicate with Galileo as well. But I'm fairly optimistic that Britain can renegotiate its access to PRS. And also that's a separate aspect as well to the manufacturing contracts for the satellites, because Britain has constructed a lot of the hardware that is going up into space, including the major satellites as well. So that is a separate issue to continued access to the signal as well. It is, but it's also crucial. I mean, this is where the heart of the row lies. It isn't enough for the UK government that we just have access. It isn't enough for the UK military that we just have access to PRS. We want to know that those receivers for that, you know, highly secure signal, that we have made them, that we have some influence in how they're made for our own security as well. We don't want to hand that out to a group of countries that we will have no influence over how they're manufactured and who has access to the source codes, if I understand correctly. Isn't that right, Blathen? Yeah, so um, the development of the hardware for the PRS services, that is a separate issue to just access to the PRS signal as well. So for that, again, I'm not sure how feasible that is. But again, Britain does have strengths in the cryptographic systems as well. So perhaps on security grounds, I would imagine it's possible for Britain to be kept in that as well, because it is such a significant actor in cryptology and in the manufacturing of the hardware as well. Now, there's something you both touched on here, which is the commercial importance of the project, as well as the security aspect. So how important commercially is Galileo? Well, I think it's very important. The UK set itself a target of achieving 40 billion in revenues from the space sector by 2030. Galileo is a hugely important part of that, although sort of on an annual basis, it might look that the contracts are not that huge. The fact of the matter is that they have a lot of spillover effect into the rest of the industry. So commercially, it's important as a kind of uh, escalator to help us achieve that target. But also, the UK has long been very focused on the commercial side of space. 
Again, I mentioned earlier that we contribute about 12% of the budget. We have actually had about 15% of the work, and Airbus will claim perhaps even as much as 19% of the work. So it's been a really good value-for-money project for us. But we focus a lot on the downstream applications, how you use the data from space. So, for example, PRS, when you talk to people, we want access to PRS, yes, for military purposes as a backup to GPS and for our public bodies like the police or ambulances. But we also want access to developing perhaps applications that we can only develop with access to PRS. They talk to me, for example, about road tolling, which is actually quite you know, sensitive and highly secure infrastructure. We could develop applications that could be sold abroad about how you can actually charge for car use on public roads. That's one project that they were working on. So I think commercially, it's hugely important as the UK begins to really get behind the space industry talking about building spaceports, you know, navigation isn't the be-all and end-all, but it's a very important facilitator of achieving that target. Blathen, do you have anything to add to that? Um, yes, it's important in that it's advertised as a superior commercial and freely available system as well. So even outside the PRS, in the freely available signal, it's meant to be an improved system than GPS anyway. But it seems that the European Union is keen to have more users use its encrypted system than the Americans are allowing to use on the encrypted GPS system. So I agree that there could be a lot of commercial opportunities lost for the UK if the UK isn't granted access back into PRS. And I'll also, I just wanted to add, part of the commercial importance when I speak to companies is not just about the regulated service and applications like road tolling. What they say is, if you look at the market that GPS has created, even the free and open signal, when you look at who dominates the, the sort of profit-making activities out of GPS, it's U.S. companies. And their argument here in the U.K. is, if we're not involved in the manufacture of all of this, if we're not a big player in influencing how that system is developed, how the next generation of satellites are developed, then it's harder for us to imagine new applications for that data and therefore be the market leaders in that. So they will tell you that it is very important, even though we'll have free access to the signal, we won't understand how it's really all put together. Therefore, we won't be able to think of new ways of using that information. That's the argument. Blathen, you've said about the importance for security matters, but how crucial is the UK's role in developing the system and how much will it be missed if it is no longer involved? Yes, British strengths in the satellite manufacturing and also in the um, encrypted signal system. So those are two key areas that will be missed if the UK leaves. However, with time and money and also the very mobile workforce and the pan-European nature of you know, British space industry as well, it'll be fairly straightforward to develop those capacities within the EU member state space industries as well. So Yes, it might cause some delays, but it's not an insurmountable expertise for the EU to develop outside of the UK. And is it realistic that the UK could develop its own separate system? Technically, yes. As I said at the um, parliamentary hearing with the Brexit Select Committee, it's not so much a question of whether Britain can do it, it's whether we want to spend that sort of money to duplicate a system where we already have access to GPS and we'll have continued access and it's just a matter of negotiation to retain British access to PRS. So the cost estimates for a rival British global navigation satellite system is between three and five billion pounds. And the leeway in that figure should tell you how sketchy though that planning is at the moment. 
when the current British space budget is at about £370 million, I believe, 75% of which go to the European Space Agency, which we then get back in various projects here in the UK. But imagine what three to five billion pounds over a decade could do for the British space industry, especially when if you want to talk about increasing British space capabilities, there are so many other low hanging fruit in terms of sovereign British space capabilities that we don't currently have that other countries do in Europe where we have a more direct military and security need for. So there's a clear gap in British space capabilities when it comes to imagery satellites or spy satellites or multispectral imaging from space, all manner of surveillance systems that other countries provide to us that we then use because we're allies, but we don't have any system like that. So we rely on the Americans and European countries for a lot of space-based images. So that is one area where more investments in space could be more usefully put for the taxpayer for economic and security needs, because that would also spur more investment in an area where British space industry is doing very, very well competitively, and it can provide capabilities to the Ministry of Defence as well. So spending up to £5 billion, and possibly more, because all these navigation systems run over budget and run behind schedule as well, without exception, even the American one as well, that money could be better spent on other capabilities that will make us more useful as a partner in space for both America and the EU, and would more likely keep us inside these big infrastructures that Europe and America are building for themselves. I suppose my point to add to that, Blathen, is I think the UK government is really quite serious about this. But the fact that they are still saying our preferred option is to remain part of Galileo tells you that they would rather do exactly what Blathen is saying, which is invest that money in other areas and remain part of the project. So while they're willing to go it alone, they are very clear that the ideal would be to stay in the project, to retain British industrial participation and British military access and be a full contributing partner. So let me ask both of you this. Is the UK in a position to sabotage the project for Europe? Peggy, I'll start with you. I don't think you can sabotage it. Again, I agree with what Blathen said earlier. I think Europe has the capabilities. It's a matter of time, but Europe can go it alone. If anything, I think there is a much bigger question for us about we could create our own system, but you know how necessary is it? how much it could actually deliver. It can deliver short-term economic value by giving business to the space companies, but longer term, where it fits in a global system where we've already got, you know, the US, the Russians, the Chinese, and the Indians. And do we want to just do a Me Too system, or do we want to think about doing a regional system, a local system? When you speak to small companies, there are alternatives. But again, how much value is that for the UK on its own against being part of what is truly a global project that now has the buy-in of the United States, Europe, and the UK, clearly, but it is now being blocked by what I would say is an argument over the rules rather than an argument over the common sense. So I don't think we can sabotage it. I think we can delay it. And what do you think, Levin? Yeah, I'll agree. I mean, it would just be a delaying action for no good reason. There'd be no common sense because the history of British strategy and British space policy has been one of integration and cooperation on both sides of the Atlantic. So Britain's been fully integrated with the American military space and intelligence empire, if you will, because of the five eyes. 
intelligence relationship and the wider special relationship as well. And Britain has always integrated itself early on with European industrial, commercial and scientific space efforts. So Britain has never done anything big on its own in space, with exception to, of course, early rocketry programmes with the Blue Streak, which was then handed off to the Europeans once Britain lost interest in it. So this option to try and do our own thing, it's a complete upset of the history of Britain in space. And in that sense, Brexit would really be an undiscovered country for Britain in space. And it doesn't make any sense at all because of the wasted money to duplicate things we can already have access to. And the EU has as many reasons to keep us inside the security architecture of its space systems as we do to remain in it, because the European Union can't afford to isolate or do without one of the biggest military and security actors in Europe. But then Britain has to realise that this is a process from Brussels. They are implementing Britain's decision to leave the EU Britain decided to be a third country. And Michel Barnier made this clear the other day when he said that access to PRS can be negotiated, but on the new basis that Britain is now starting from the position of a third country. All Brussels has done is make that position clear, but ministers and the press on this side of the channel have taken that as being banned for life. But I think it's just a misunderstanding of how process is communicated in Brussels. But of course, I think Brussels needs to be a bit more aware of how its procedural and bureaucratic talk can be interpreted on this side of the channel. Well, that brings me to my next question for Peggy, which is about the politicians and what they're saying and whether there is any room for compromise. Well, I think it does boil down to the fact that the European Commission is stating the rules in quite a hard way and inflexible way. It is, as Bledon says, the consequence of our decision to leave the EU and the rules as the rules. That's where Europe is coming from. I think Britain feels that it has indicated that it's keen to continue to invest in Galileo. It wants to continue to have participation, not just for military, but for its industry as well. Essentially, the two sides are going to have to come down off their soapboxes and they're going to have to start understanding that sometimes, you know, just ticking the boxes of the rules doesn't work, especially in a situation that's as emotive as this particular situation is. I think from the UK's perspective, Galileo is becoming the test case for how we deal with the rest of Brexit negotiations. As Bledon says, Europe is going to have to understand that it needs the UK, both as a security partner and, let's face it, as a friendly, close trading partner. And if we can't reach agreement on Galileo, where the benefits for everybody are so obvious if we carry on working together, we share the cost, we share the benefits, we each find our niches that we're particularly good at. If we don't start understanding that the benefits of staying in are for both sides, not just one side, then there is no room for compromise. Personally, I think they will end up compromising. I think the first compromise will be, and we've already seen signs that the European Commission says, of course, at some stage you can have military access, but it now comes down to industrial participation. And I think that the EU is going to have to understand that it's in their interest to, to keep the UK on side and involved. Blethyn, do you have anything to add to that? 
well, I agree that um, we will get that compromise in terms of access. And Britain has to make the positive case in the negotiations and Brussels has to be more vocal in its support for Britain staying in that. I mean, it's made the right initial steps after stating the rules and the new basis for the relationship. And this Galileo issue should be a priority in any security-wide deal for Brexit. So we've heard talk of a security deal for Brexit. This has to feature quite prominently in it because it is a very significant piece of critical infrastructure that will determine so much in terms of military and economic and security development for generations to come. And that is why the Americans want in on it. They see it as so useful that they need it as a back of the GPS. So you shouldn't really keep Britain out, but that requires political will. And both sides need to understand each other a bit better and start getting to that compromise position. Because if the bad rhetoric carries on, then both sides will see any movement towards a positive direction as a capitulation. But that could be symptomatic of the entire Brexit process. Well, yes, exactly. Well, we'll see what happens. That's all we have time for. Thanks to Peggy Hollinger and Blethen Bowen. And thank you for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks and we hope you'll join us then. In the meantime, please review or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher or your favourite podcast app. If you have a question or would like to suggest a topic for future episodes, you can also email us at brexitunspun, that's all one word, at ft.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.